brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics links. Hi everyone, I am Marcia Marcy Rocklow. I am the author of Stain of Shadows, The Shard Axe, and Legacy of Wolves, and you are listening to the Tome. Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm Jeff Greiner, and in this episode, number 212, it's all about the ladies. Oh yes, it's ladies' tome, and I'm rolling right. Oh yes, it's ladies' tome, oh what a tome, oh what a tome. That's right! Tonight we talk about women at the game table. We've often been accused of having a pro-women agenda here on the Tome Show, despite, you know, not really spending a ton of time on the issue. Uh, it must simply be, be because we have the audacity to value the opinions of women gamers. Well, tonight, we've decided to have on some experts for a panel discussion on women at the game table. Tracy, who do we have on? Uh, we have two uh, women. One is Heather Hoover. She owns a game store. The Armored Gopher. Nice. And the other one is J.Dot Sloan. She has a webcomic. Uh, she's uh, active on Twitter. She has a lot of cool stuff. And it's worth noting some people we don't have. Uh, because, you know, we figured it would only breed more hate if Tracy was out there espousing uh, women at the game table. So we decided not to include you in this episode. Is that right? Sure. I mean, <laughs> I think it was more my body decided that I was not going to be able to be here. That's right. Tracy was sick the night that we recorded. So notably, after all these years, we we finally decided to head on tackle the issue of women at the game table. Get it out of our system, so to speak. And Tracy couldn't make it. I get the packs, box. But you're all better now. Mostly better, yeah. Good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and toss it over to that discussion. All right, and we have two uh, wonderful women who decided to join us in our discussion tonight about women at the game table. Uh, first, we will introduce Jay Dot. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jeff. Uh, we also have with us Heather Hoover from uh, the House of Pancakes and Armored Gopher. Wait, did you say House of Pancakes? That's what I said. Because I heard House of Pancakes earlier, and I was like, I like pancakes, but I was apparently mishearing that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the intention all along. It was a it was a big inside joke between the owners of the site. So I I like that much better, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the House of Pancakes is a a blog network that you write for. It is indeed. It's primarily focused at uh, players and hobbyists of the Warhammer 40k general vicinity but 
Um, it's expanding. It, it has some. It has a little bit of role playing. It has other kinds of miniatures. It has a little bit of magic um, in the in the uh, roles of people that participate and enjoy. So um, I I do a little bit of everything. I actually uh, just remembered because I should seriously like the House of Pancakes threw me for a loop. The other thing I would like to plug besides my own comic is actually that I also write for a uh, a comic book review site called Women Reading Comics, which is a really great kind of fledgling site, but it's, it is staffed entirely by women, but it's for everyone, and it's basically us uh, just running off about all the comics that we're crazy about, so um, they definitely deserve a big shout out. And that's at womenreadingcomics.com? Yes, sir. Cool. And then uh, the other thing that Heather has is Armored Gopher, which is your, uh, your, the game store that you co-own. That is correct. Which is moving. That is also correct. <laughs> You've been working hard this week, huh? Yes. <laughs> I'm taking a break. Today is a rest day for me, but we're going to be going at it full tilt until Monday at 5 o'clock when we open. Wow. Location. This looks like you're, you're moving into a bigger place, too? That is correct, yes. That is super cool. So does that mean more, more gaming space? Absolutely. That is definitely 100% in the picture. Awesome. Um, more space, probably more product line. Uh, we're just super excited. Sweet. Well, if I ever ever end up in Urbana, Illinois, I'll have to uh, swing by. Well, we'd love it. We'd love to have you. <laughs> All right. Well, is it time to go ahead and uh, burn down the internet and get to this topic? I was going to say, now that we've uh, we've gotten all of our pleasantries and our joyful exuberance out of the way, uh, yeah, maybe we should refocus our energy. <laughs> Did girl pants on? Is that what you're saying here? <laughs> hey, you can wear whatever pants you want. I will not judge. So let, let's start with, uh, you know, we're discussing uh, women at the game table, you know, uh, and as a general topic, lots of big things to look at here. Uh, and, and I think... First of all, I think we we can say um, there is probably it would probably be nice if there were more women gamers. Is that fair to say? Well, it'd be nice if there were more gamers. I, I honestly okay, think. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. But I, I honestly think that there's this image that there aren't a lot of women gamers because the women gamers uh, aren't as um, I think how to put this loud. Uh, yeah, that's a way to put it, but I think the social circles that we put together around games, I mean, like forums and the internet and, and conventions and that kind of thing, I think those get so overwhelmed by by guys that it gets harder to recognize that, that women really do game quite a lot. I think for, for video game statistics, aren't we up to like something like 43 or nearly 50%, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's starting to reflect a lot more uh, actual gender demographics in, in the broader world. And on a personal anecdotal level, uh, almost all the games I've been involved in and all the games I've known have been about 50-50 on the women to men front, too, except for the games that I've been involved in, say, at conventions or in more social spaces where you got to dominate. So in terms of there being more women in gaming, I think I would say more, I would like there to be more women publicly gaming. Okay. Heather, what do you think? Is, is it an issue of perception, or is there an actual lack of women gaming? Um, gosh, that's a really tough one to answer. Um, when I talk about percentages, when I look at a big event like Friday Night, which is Friday Night Magic at my store, I, I'll see 2% being female. Um, what, what percent? 
2%. Okay. But when I look at sales, when customers come in, I will see, I'd say at least 50% of the time, it's couples coming in to buy a board game or maybe a role-playing adventure or something that they're going to enjoy together at home um, or with their private gaming group because they're not coming to the store because they have little kids or things like that. Um, so it's there is certainly perception, but I think that a lot of it is comfort level. People want to play where they're comfortable, and my experience is that a lot of the women that are that I run into now that are gaming are married and or have kids, and gaming in a public environment isn't conducive to enjoying, you know, having the family around. It's it's a hassle. You have to hire a sitter and um, maybe they're, you know, the store is busy because they have events and it's easier to do it at home. I think that's fair. And I think on top of that, I mean, I know I personally um, broadly kind of refuse to go into comic shops because they're not always the most comfortable place for me to hang out. Uh, and that is, you know, a gender-based dynamic. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily need to happen every time. But, you know, if you walk into a space and, and there's a person there making you uncomfortable even once, you're disinclined to go back. Right. Uh, so, you know, there is, there's, if you're going to talk about, you know, the more sociopolitical aspect, like I said, I think maybe the reason that we don't see as many women in public is, is both because, uh, you know, they have a home life that they'd rather deal with. I know that that's the reason I gave at my friend uh, Samantha's house. Uh, she, I mean, her kid's four now, but when he was a newborn and when he was one years old, we went to her house because there was no way we were packing up all that kid stuff to go anywhere. Um, but even for someone like me who doesn't have kids and, uh, you know, games on her own and, and likes to play games, I'm still a lot happier with a group of people that I know in an environment that I'm not going to run into strangers than going out to a game shop to game. Okay, so so maybe what we're getting at is the problem is me because in my last three gaming groups, uh, two of them were all male and one of them was about 50-50. So in my anecdotal experience, there are fewer women gamers. So what can I do to fix that, or should I? Well, uh, uh, I'll let Heather go first this okay. time. <laughs> I, I don't know that it's a problem with you, Jeff. Oh, okay. um, because anecdotally, I can tell you that I know at least right off the top of my head, 12 lady gamers, uh, if not closer to 20, that are actively involved in some kind of game currently. Um, however, I would say two of them um, which is statistically higher than the 2% I quoted a little bit ago. Um, but two of those people are in the public forum, um, and they are in environments that are pre predominantly male. Um, I think it has more to do with, um, and I don't want to put this all on the women, but it has more to do with the woman's particular attitude or interest level than it has anything to do with the men that they're hanging around with. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm a lady game store owner. I have zero problem with going out and meeting a hundred new people a day. I like it. It's fun. My best girlfriend that plays, she's like, no, I really only want to play with the people I know, love, and trust. I'm like, okay, that's fair too. Um, each one of us is coming at games from a different perspective, but neither one's wrong. Um, and I don't know that you, Jeff, saying, hey, I'm running a game, do you want to play, is going to get me to say yes, mm -hmm. because I'm going to want to look at not just you, but the whole group, and is this a game I want to play? Is this something I want to take out of my already hugely busy week 
to denominate to gaming with, you know, Jeff, who's an awesome guy, plus other people that might not be equally awesome. Well, and, 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 but you, and you mentioned, you know, that you could name 20 uh, female gamers, but how many male gamers can you name? I, 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 question. <laughs> I, sus- I suspect the number is much larger. Well, so uh, my answer to that is much, much higher. Yeah. Um, but most of those people I've known since like I, I was 12 and they've been in my life for 20 something years. Mm-hmm. So I guess that leads to the question then, why aren't more women gaming? You know, what, what is it about the gaming hobby that, that makes it some women not interested? Well, So I, I've, uh, so I've just recently got back from PAX East, okay, and uh, I had a blast, I had a great time, I ran around uh, with a bunch of friends and did a bunch of goofy stuff, and uh, it was exactly everything the con experience really should be. Um, even to the point where I had some, like, post-con, like, oh, I really should have gotten that guy's autograph, or I missed an opportunity here, so there was that, that overabundance of, like, stuff to do where you, you actually come away feeling like, like you didn't quite catch it all and you really want to go back. Uh, which I think is really the ideal con experience. That's the kind of thing that draws people in, right? That's the kind of thing that that uh, you know people get engaged with and they want to see. And, um, but I will admit that the environment I was in there was uh, predominantly male, and <laughs> um, uh, and and that can be very intimidating. Um, but. The way to fix that is, is really, like, so what's the question? Like, how do we bring in more women? How do we make it less intimidating? You're getting ahead of me, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, <laughs> you just asked how do we get more women gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would like to say that when I started gaming when I was 12, I was the only female in the entire gaming group for literally, we're talking 50 miles in any direction. I was the only person with the, the lady bits anybody knew. It was another five years before there was another lady. And then at that point, I, I was somewhere in the, you know, you know, 17 area. There were two other ladies. And by the time I got to be, you know, childbearing age and having, you know, my kids, there were four other ladies. And it's exponent. I don't want to say exponentially, but it's grown over the years. Mm-hmm. You're saying, you know, why hasn't it grown? It has grown. Um, and it, it has a lot to do with cultural shift of what's acceptable and interesting for women to pursue. I told um, you I just did a fist pump because my brain kept going cultural shift, cultural shift. Cultural <laughs> shift. Uh, you heard it coming out of my brain. I'm yeah. looking at you know how many more women I know that are pursuing STEM fields for their their college degrees, or women that actually are making a, a living writing you know science fiction or you know speculative fiction or you know fantasy not not you know fantasy off of writing instead of you know novels of bodice rippers or things like that and also how much more exposure women have to accessibility of these outlandish you can do what you want you're not stuck in these gender roles um, which I think is a direct result of you know, some of the feminism that, you know, the 90s is like a big backlash of, no, I'm not a feminist. But if you look at what 90s women are, 90s and, and aught women are doing, it's because of the 70s and 80s women that came before them and said, hey, stop putting these barriers around us. We want more. Mm-hmm. 
Which, which I think is fair. Now, I'm a little, uh, personally, a little young for the 70s and 80s uh, frame of reference. <laughs> and, um, you know, I personally only began to understand, you know, the impact of, um, of do-bro culture. I don't, I don't really have a... I do have a better way to put it, but it gets a little <laughs> academic after that, and I, I'm trying to keep it more casual in tone here. Uh, you know, I've only recently begun to explore and understand the impact of, of what it what it means to be a woman, and and you know how to own your own agency, and how to say and stand up for yourself, and how to say, uh, you know, this is my interest, and this is what I want to do, and please don't you know crap all over me for wanting to do these kinds of things. Um, and and Heather's right; it has gotten better and and there's no one saying it's perfect or it's equal now you know there's still a lot more growth to be had and of course everyone would like for us to snap our fingers and just have it all be perfect by tomorrow but I think you know when you when you ask about you know how do we get more women gaming I mean it, a lot of the things that we're doing now uh, you know uh, things like the geek girl con I mentioned or things like uh, basically not putting you know it can be as simple as uh, you know not putting a woman down for her interests or trying to say get her to pass some kind of test to prove she's really that into it, or you know, to, you start treating women like they're human beings and and they're they get to have their own interests and do what they like and that's cool too, uh, and then you suddenly have women who feel more safe and more comfortable in these spaces and the safer and more comfortable they feel in these spaces, the more you'll see of them. Mm -hmm. uh, part of that is also standing up to people who are terribly sexist. I think there was a story that just broke uh, today or yesterday about an incident at PAX East um, that the PAX staff handled very well, but there was basically a reporter who went up to a bunch of uh, Lara Croft cosplayers and asked them a really um, inappropriate sexual question. And that creates an environment of like, do I really want to be here? But when you have a, a staff, a con staff that responds by saying, no, this is unacceptable. And, you know, that guy was out of line and he's not welcome back. That is exactly the perfect way to get more women to show up because mm -hmm. they know that if they have concerns or that they're having a problem at your con, that, um, that it's going to be addressed and not ignored. Yeah, and so, they're going to be taken seriously. Right. And that's really important. Um, as a as somebody that grew up in a gaming culture, I, my my dad brought me along because he didn't have anything else to do with me, and and I was surrounded by these people my entire life. Um, my exposure was completely different than if I was an adult, and but the, there was never ever a minute where any single one of the people that I was close to and knew as a friend ever said to me. You're just a girl. I don't value your opinion. Every single person that I I know as a friend said, "Hey, your 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 opinion matters just as much as mine does. I, I take you seriously. That's a really good thought, and that's something that has to be extended everywhere that we want to encourage women to be, and specifically gaming because there's so much of a perceived idea that women aren't taken seriously or that men don't want to." And that's something I, I would love to talk to you about later if it comes up, is my personal experience is very limited in men being sexist towards women. Um, it might be just anecdotal, but I just, my experience is very limited. I don't have that as it's all the time. It's it's very limited to one particular that guy. 
Well, right. But, and, and part of it, though, is, is, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't take a battalion of men. You know, 99% of the guys that are, you're, are hanging around you are totally normal dudes, and it's not a big deal. But, you know, you have one reporter at a convention who decides that he's going to be, um, uh, I want to say a pervert because I don't really have a high opinion of him. So I admit there's some bias creeping in there <laughs> that I did not like his particular approach. Uh, but, you know, if, you, if I have one guy come up to me at a convention that's going to be, you know, the weird, creepy guy. And and the thing is, you know, when you talk about, you also have to talk about an economy of scale. You know, when you're working at a game shop, you know, how many people does your game shop hold at most, you know, um, 30, 40 people if it's really packed. There were 70,000 people at PAX East over the course of those three days, uh, you know, which really ups your chances of running into that guy. And that guy can kind of ruin your whole weekend. Um even with just a, a random incident. So, you know, part of it, again, is is extending a culture of, of treating women like people and giving them the confidence to realize that that guy is a douchebag and most people are just fine. And also standing up to that guy and telling him that his behavior is not okay and making sure that he understands that what he did was wrong, that he was the one being a jerk. It's not the women who should have just put up with him. So it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword in that respect. Uh, as far as anecdotal stuff is, I've had some pretty hideous stuff happen to me. I, don't, I say hideous, that's probably a little exaggeration. I'm not talking like I've been assaulted, but, you know, I've had some things happen to me that were really uh, questionable <laughs> at gaming tables and at, even at um, back rooms of game stores, you know, and uh, going to cons and, and seeing some of the bad behavior that can happen. Uh, and as... as there's a lot of cultural forces at play. Uh, women are also largely, of course, there are exceptions to this, myself being one of them, and a lot of the women you see in the gamer culture that persist tend to be the exception because they're the ones who were better at standing up for themselves. But largely women are, are kind of trained to not stand up for themselves or to accept what someone else says as an authority and their own feelings as not. So the more you can kind of stand up for women or stand up against bad behavior... Uh, and call people out on their bad behavior, the more the women themselves will feel like, you know, that they're, again, like we said earlier, their feelings matter, their thoughts and opinions are real thoughts and opinions that are equally weighted, and that they have as much right to be at that gaming table as anyone else. Okay. Um, so, imagine somebody out there is, is forming a gaming group. Um, should they be actively looking to include female gamers or, or, you know, ensure that there are female gamers? Is there an advantage to that? Do, do female gamers bring something to the table that, that other gamers may not? Um, you know, or should you just be trying to be passionate about your game and, and let who, those who come come? Like you sh- we really shouldn't have done this video chat because, man, the faces I'm making are... <laughs> 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 All right, Heather, I ran with the last one. Go for it. Nobody's going to like my answer. I I am a big believer in fit for game. Um, I just I, I I've been in enough and been responsible for enough games in my life that it doesn't matter who's at the table if one of those people is not a good fit for everybody else. It's going to be miserable. Whether it's a woman, a dude, a, a you know somebody that's trans, it doesn't matter. If that person isn't a good, the whole group doesn't gel, it's just going to fall apart. 
So when I am looking to run a game, I'm going to invite people that I know are like-minded to me and the kinds of games I want to run. And I'm always behind a GM inviting the kinds of people that they want at their table, and it's irrelevant to what you know particular genitalia they have on their bodies that they that end up sitting there. It's to me what I really want, um, and I'm I'm very much a role player. I want an environment where I feel like my GM is going to take me seriously and understand my interest in exploring all kinds of weird, creepy, deep stuff. And, and it's okay. Um, or if I'm a goofball, then they're going to ex- love the crap out of my goofiness, and they're going to run with that. Um, I, I don't... <laughs> so I'll tell you something funny, Heather. Uh, you're actually not wrong. Um, <laughs> wow. You find that hilarious. No, I mean, she said it was going to be an unpopular opinion, and I'm oh. like, no, that's, that's exactly right. The thing is to be aware of, is not necessarily, you know, should you be trying extra hard to find women for your gaming table, but you should be aware of the fact that women might be a little more uncomfortable at your gaming table because if they feel overwhelmed or intimidated. You should be aware that you may have a bias yourself, whether intentional or not, but it's because this is how media trains us. You may have a bias to prefer guys over girls because you may however unconsciously feel like a guy is going to bring more to the table. So the the point is not so much that you're trying to recruit women for the sake of having a diverse table, but that you're trying to keep in mind that, yes, women will bring a lot to the table and that you shouldn't um, dismiss a woman for anything less than you don't think she'll fit at your table personality-wise. Okay, and that leads into my next question. So I want to make sure that my my game table is, is open to having women there. So... Is there such a thing as a woman-friendly game table? And if so, what does it look like? What can I do to make my my game table more woman-friendly? I have a totally sarcastic response. and I was like, well, clearly you need all pink minis. (laughs) Decorate your chandelier with tampons. Women love that. And (laughs) other laughed. Oh. <laughs> it's the it's the same theme we keep hitting on over and over and over again. Treat women like they're people. Like they're people. Yeah. They're, they're just people with boobs on them. Um. <laughs> yeah. If you want it help, just think of them as like a really like overweight dude and you know, but it's like the same thing. So you know, like, hey, women aren't the only one with boobs, man. They they grow everywhere. Um <laughs> So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, where a lot of times I mean, when you're a, a woman at the table, you get weird special treatment because you're a woman at the table. You know, like I've had guys do my math for me, try to run my character for me, try to roll my dice for me. Oh, I hate the math. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, so and there's this perception that girls are bad at math, you know. Um, and, and there's a lot of things that might contribute that to the gaming table. If I'm shy or nervous, I'm, I might stutter over my math. It doesn't mean I'm bad at math. It just <laughs> I'm like... It's because I'm bad at math. It's not because I'm a girl. Right. And, right. and in yeah. fairness, I have I have currently have a game table by coincidence that that's all men, um, and one of my players is horrible at math, and the person next to them always has the job of helping them with it anyway. So, right. it's, yeah. it's, it has nothing to do with male or female. Right, but I mean, there's there's a there's a certain rush to ha- help a girl sometimes. Yeah, the hold your books mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little like um, it's it's insulting, really. I mean, it just sort of implies that I'm not able to do this on my own. So uh, you know, so it's just you know, like 
you know, hold, fight back on your rush to help her or fawn over her or otherwise make sure that she's extra comfortable. And actually, more so just make sure that you treat her, you know, fairly and, you know, like a person and, and like, you know, with the understanding that she's there to game the same as anyone else and, you know, try to make a good game. And I think the, the real answer is, um, you know, how to make the game, you know, is there a way to make it more woman-friendly? The answer is yes, but it depends on the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm going to be anecdotal again, but I have no problems with fart jokes. Um, I, you know, I have three brothers, and I grew up with, you know, I, you know, my first 20 friends that I can name off right off the top of my head are, are dudes. So I, I have a totally dude-centric mindset, and that's kind of, you know, the way I think. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not a dude. Um, so I, I can go with a lot of dude-oriented stuff and not ever be borrow, bothered by it. Um, but I'm not a dude. And so when it comes to, you know, something more, more personal, I want to know that my GM is not going to treat me um, like, a, like a dude. They're going to treat me like me, a person. Um, and make sure that whatever, you know, is going on is okay with, with me as a player. And then, you know, what, what Jay st- said earlier, stand up to dudes that are that are douchebags. Um, you know, tell people, hey, this is acceptable at my table, or no, it's not. And and make sure that who everybody is playing knows the rules. If you change the rules in the middle because of, you know, some nonsensical idea that you're protecting somebody, people are going to be like, what the F? Uh <laughs> As opposed to, here are the expectations from the minute we start, then we can all behave that way. Right. Yeah, and, and the standing up, actually, I mean, and I, I mentioned that again, too, because it makes a huge difference. Uh, again, because, you know, we're kind of culturally trained to just sort of accept like accept things with, like, maybe a chuckle or a pretend laugh and to try to brush it off. Uh, but it, it makes a huge difference not to have someone stand up for you necessarily, not to white knight or be a, a chivalrous, like, I'm going to rescue this lady, but more to come down on bad behavior. And that's something that we all have a responsibility to do. But it is going to be something that's easier for guys to do than for girls to do for now. Um, someday I hope that any time, you know, a douchebag is being a douchebag, a, a girl can, you know, whip around and be like, uh, you know, that's unacceptable without having um, any blowback on her. But at the moment, it, you know, it's, it's easier for a guy to say that than for a girl. And, and so if you're a guy and you're witnessing someone else, it doesn't have to be another guy at the table, but just someone else at the table... I mean, being sexist, since that's the frame we're using here, you know, be aware that perhaps it is better to say that that's not okay than to try to make that other person comfortable. And it's interesting because I, I can see that some people might be concerned that we're approaching a line and we have to figure out where that line is. Because on one hand, you're saying if somebody does something wrong, then that needs to be addressed and somebody needs to stand up for them. On the other hand, don't protect me at the table. Right. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And that's a really hard line to divine because, you know, we were talking about, you know, don't give me special treatment because I'm a woman. So, you know, I don't need someone swooping in to save me at every moment. You know, it's, it's that whole, like, I'm not a princess in a castle to be rescued. But it, it is nice to feel like you have backup at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it feels like more. Like, you know, if, if, you know, if a guy or a girl at the table is, say, you know, making inappropriate jokes and, you know, someone else at the table goes, you know, uh, that's not really a cool joke to make, you know, or, you know, that's kind of messed up or, you know, whatever. And I'm more likely to speak up at that point, you know, but it's it's less about saying, 
oh, you're making J-Dot uncomfortable, you know, stop harassing J-Dot, and more calling the actual behavior out as, you know, uh, not not behavior that you want to see at the table. And that's something that I'm seeing as part of my job at the store is there's a whole lot of cultural training that I have to do for these guys. For the majority, they're guys. They just... I, there, there's a lot of insecurity about how to behave in social situations. No one has taken the time to treat, uh, teach them, hey, these things are acceptable, or no, these things are not. And I see time and time again, it's simply matters of courtesy. Hey, other people have feelings. Please respect them. Back off. This is not okay. Is a conversation I have enough that it's a standard, like I have a little note card that here's what you say. <laughs> uh, but we, we've kind of discovered that the game store is sort of, we're training them for real life. Uh, which yeah. is fun. But totally a public service, by the way. Kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult at the same time. And I've, you know. Oh, Jeff Lapp, he's a teacher. Um, he knows. Yeah. Practically overnight become the mother to, you know, a hundred plus, you know, socially awkward dudes and I'm like oh <laughs> so here's, I have a question for you Heather I'm going to ask a question now how do you like that yeah I'll uh, sit back here and you, you run the show now yeah I'll just run the show I'm taking over it's fine can't have it uh, um, do you how, how responsive do you find the guys are to that because my understanding my, my experience has been that either a guy basically gets it and is just like, okay, you know, like that's obviously not acceptable here and maybe explores on his own other places where it might be or figures out in general that maybe he doesn't want to be that guy anymore. And then I find that the guys who persist in being that guy basically stop showing up, which is which is what I want in the first place. I don't want to be around them. So, I mean, is that, do you find that in your store as well, that, you, that most of the time the guys are pretty receptive to it or what? Well... Um, I have to admit to a lot of using uh, using a lot of a shaming network. Um, shaming network. I, I have I don't want to say deputies, but I there are certain guys that are that are like, what is wrong with you? And it just sort of I, I don't even necessarily have to say anything. There there's a couple of guys that know what I expect in my in my environment pretty well, and they kind of they kind of help with hurting that around. Okay. Um, and and it works much better on the peer level than anything I could ever say. Okay. Um, That's but, actually cool. Yes. But I will say that when I have those conversations with gentlemen in my store, it's usually a very short, hey, stop it. That's not okay. And I don't ever see it again in my store. I have had exactly one customer get offended by me telling them, you know what? I really don't appreciate that behavior. Please don't. Please don't bring it here, and please don't bring it here again. Um, I've had one person in five years be offended, so it, I think that's a fair track record. But I use very, I'm very big on neutral language. Um, you know, this particular behavior, name calling, or butting in line, or you know, uh, not spraying in the bathroom because it's not oh, nice in there, <laughs> or. Uh, you know, drawing ladies without clothes on. These things are not okay here. Please don't do it again. Can can we can we put you in charge of the internet because they won't leave that place? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, the, the internet the internet has its own host of problems, largely of which is when you give people the ability to be anonymous, uh, behavior changes drastically. Sure. Right. Uh, 
And so, that's a huge part of why it works where it does in our environment where it does work is they have to they have to see me again. Yep. They have to see their buddy again. And and they have to understand that there's a repercussion for not having acted okay. They can either feel ashamed or they can leave. And we've we've just had okay, that was dumb. I won't do it again. Right. And I, I think that largely gels with the experience I was getting at. You know, talking about being at a con with seventy thousand people and most of them are fine. And you you know, you've had one guy in five years that got really pissy and you know, there's like one guy at a con of seventy thousand people, you know, or you know, maybe a handful of guys at a con of seventy thousand people who are being gross. Uh but if we can get you know, the other ninety nine percent of people to I, I wanna say basically be on board, but to at least, you know, have some basic standards and decency and that that shame network you talk about you know get some few key players which i think is what we're talking about when we talk about standing up for people that uh that that contributes hugely to a a culture that is much more receptive to women right on so now if my game group has uh is has you know for a year or two has been running and and we're all guys uh, and and some you know sometimes guys get together and they have a guys' night and, and things get a little blue right, mm-hmm. um, but maybe that wouldn't be acceptable if there was a woman at the table. Now we've got a new player coming in. It, it's a woman. If we change our behavior, is that not okay? I mean, is that just a different form of sexism because we're changing our behavior because there's a woman at the table, or should we continue to act the way we always act and risk them being uncomfortable? Response to the person. If she's not offended and she's joining in, yeah, I mean, you have to have that conversation of, hey, we're a little blue. Is this something you're okay with, or you know, do we need to tone it down? Is my opinion. I yeah, I would, I mean, you wouldn't add anybody that you'd be uncomfortable with. Jay, right. pro- Jay promised to burn down the internet when I asked this question. So I did because basically, <laughs> that there's such a thing as reverse sexism, and I almost flipped the whole table. <laughs> Look, so so the basic, the big deal right here is that there is a power disparity between men and women. Men have more power than women. We don't like it, and it's something we're working to change. Uh, you know, we would like everyone to be equal, but at the moment, you know, it is it is. You can argue with me, or, or you know, try to tell me that I'm wrong, or try to tell me that's not so bad, but you would be wrong. I mean, like that's one of the sort of incontrovertible flatline baseline things we're we're working with here. And that's why I talk about, you know, try not to swoop in and rescue a girl because that's a power play. That's you asserting your power. But do try to call out bad behavior and use your power to squash the behavior you don't want to see rather than trying to rescue the princess. Um, and, you know, in terms of so, – so you ask, you know, is, is us modifying our behavior for a woman uh, its own kind of sexism? And, and the answer is, again, no, because you're the one with the power. Um, you know, you're the one who gets to make the rules. You're the one who gets to decide whether or not you're going to change your behavior. And, you know, there are very little consequences for you changing your behavior. If you decide you want to be a little more couth because there's a woman around, you know, you, you literally, there's like no fallout from that. You know, you're like, and now I use less bad language because that's a thing I've decided to do. So in that respect... Uh, you know, that it, it's not exactly reverse sexism. It is, however, a personal choice. So when you talk about the difference between your behavior around your guys and the behavior around women, you have to ask yourself the question is, is my behavior different because I'm in a group of guys who understand what it's like to be a guy and we're having guy talk? Or is my behavior different because we all really don't think that much of women and then we have to bite back on that when a woman shows up? 
So if it's the former behavior, you know, everybody acts differently depending on the group dynamic. You know, I'm going to act differently with my boyfriend than I do with my best friend than I do with my ex-husband. You know, those are those are just normal interpersonal um, thingies. I ran out of real words there. Uh, interactions, you know, and, and that's fine. You know, so if a woman comes into your group and you find your dynamic changing, don't let it freak you out. Just understand that, you know, when you have different people in a group, things change. But if a woman comes into your group and suddenly you're not comfortable because you don't feel like you can make the the sexist jokes you want to make and you don't feel like you can, um, you know, uh, uh, treat her the way that you want to treat her because she's making these demands that you treat her like, uh, you know, this other person and, you know, you feel like you really need to examine where those feelings are coming from and understand that some of them can be part of that power disparity and and that some of them might be coming from a kind of an ugly place. So when you ask, you know, should I change my behavior, it's a personal question to ask. And the question you ask yourself is, is this behavior acceptable? And that's sort of regardless of whether or not you're in a group with women or not. That's really just you looking at yourself and going, who's the person I want to be versus the person that I am. Right on. And, and you ranted just long enough for, for Heather's call to, to drop out and then reconnect. All right. <laughs> that does not mean to do that. No, that's, that's cool. I'm, I got timing. <laughs> now, there's one thing that I that I thought of as, as we were um, as we've been discussing, uh, and and because there are some dynamics that can change at the table if there are representatives of both genders, right? In uh, that now suddenly you have a female element in your game that may not have been there before, because a lot of guys will typically only play guys, right? Um, that, I, I would say that in my experience, the guys who played chicks did not do it for very nice reasons. Right, so. exactly. Um, and so suddenly your game has the potential for, for romantic and gender issues that didn't exist before. How, does, how, how can that be handled? How should that be handled? Um, you know, and, and with, I mean, honestly, that could almost be a whole topic of itself oh, for, for another sorry. hour, but... <laughs> But I'm curious if you have any, any uh, bullet point ideas there. I, I do, but I'm going to let Heather go. Well, Jeff, I'm going to say that you're making some wild assumptions here. The first is that the female player is going to play a female character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say 80% of the characters I play are dudes. Um, so that is not a correct assumption. Um, and the second is that everybody is on the same page. And I don't know that that is a correct assumption either. Just because I join a game group and I'm playing a lady doesn't mean that I'm interested in pursuing romantic relationships with other characters in that game. I'm joining a game to investigate the environment, create a story, uh, go on adventures, and so on and so forth. If something happens naturally, great. I'm excited and we'll, we'll pursue it from there. If it, I'm, but I'm not, it's not an automatic you know, plug a lady in, all of a sudden you get, hey, you know, nookie. Uh, it doesn't work right. that way. <laughs> um, and, that's, and that's actually, that attitude is part of the problem, is the idea that, that <laughs> when it arrives that suddenly nookie is an available option. You know, that, and that assumes that that's part of what a woman is good for. And do, that's, you, do you know how many people are listening to this that wish there was, there was some formula that you could plug in and say, hey, automatic nookie? There is <laughs> the internet all there for you, you know, if you want that, it's there for you, but the gaming table is not necessarily the appropriate place for that. <laughs> yeah, and so, and then speaking to the other, the, the gender issues, that's, that's something that is tough, 
Because it depends, in my opinion, it depends entirely on what kind of game you are playing. If you're playing science fiction, super space opera, you know, far future, a lady being in the group is minorly irrelevant. It's just, okay, you know, we got a gunner that's a lady, no big deal. But if you're looking at a political, you know, feudal, way back, you know, sort of thing, a lady is a big deal, and it does bring a lot of gender issues to the table that were never there before. Um, but it, it has more to do with what genre you're playing as far as role-playing goes and, you know, how the people at the table want to handle it. And, and, and really what it comes down to is that it's, it's basically just like having anybody else join your game. You find out what your player is interested in doing, uh, how that player fits into the world that you're building, and, you know, if you've built a world that has, you know, built-in misogyny, and, and that's a fair thing. You know, some people are interested in exploring that dynamic. Some people are interested in exploring, you know, rebelling against it or trying to work with it or, or that kind of thing. I mean, it's a, it is a part of our narratives. You know, it's definitely a part of our history, and it's certainly still a part of the stories that we like to tell. So if that's the story game you're running, you know, you want to be upfront and clear about that so that the, the person joining your game has a choice as to whether or not they want to join and if that sounds like the kind of character that they want to play. But Heather's right. It's irrelevant of gender. It really just has to do with the game you're running and the kind of GM you are. And, and then, you know, the other thing that I wanted to um, say is that there, there's also, you know, the, the, whole, the whole conversation J.Dot J. just mentioned of, you know, you want to see whether or not this person is going to fit into the world you're building. It comes back to that conversation I had earlier about fit. Ideally, anybody you add to your table is going to be like adding a thread to a tapestry. It's not going to be this big, giant yellow stripe across the middle of a, of a white or, you know, black thing. It's going to be, you know, reds woven in with yellows and oranges, and it's just going to be natural um, and, and easy, uh, ideally. Um, and, and it should be about, hey, this is a person that really is interested in what we're doing, you know, and hopefully they've sat in on a couple of sessions and built some rapport so that everybody is comfortable with them and they're ready to play with this person as opposed to, plunk, okay, lady in chain armor, now what? <laughs> and that is totally, totally fair. I can tell you, you know, she... Uh, Heather has played dudes and hasn't had a whole lot of interest in romance. Um, I largely run games, uh, which is actually where I, I kind of prefer to be. I like juggling everything and um, the attention, because as I've mentioned many times, I'm a, I'm a patent narcissist, so DM is like perfect for me, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, I've had romance happen in my games, and it's it's an interesting dynamic because, again, it's less about the, uh, the gender and, you know, like I put a girl in my game and suddenly the guys were all hot for her. It's actually two of my players uh, who were best, were like good friends in real life, but like, you know, she's married and, and is really into her husband and he was really into his wife. And, you know, there was no actual romance between them outside of their characters. Like they got together and they uh, actually found the idea of being together as re in real life as kind of squicky. <laughs> But in character, they, that sort of, it, it just sort of happened. It blossomed. It was a natural, organic development. So if you see your game, you know, trundling towards the romance train, uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But just hope that it's not forced or it's not the other player's way of basically trying to date the new girl, you know, without actually having to ask her out or something. You know, there are undercurrents there that can happen, and it pays to be aware of them, but it's not inherently a, a, a bad or a good thing. 
And like I said, I think that's a, that's. I mean, that could theoretically be a topic for a whole show, right? Right. Because <laughs> while you're right, I mean, and and largely a lot of this comes down to um, knowing your players, right? Male or female, knowing your players. Um, but there are still you know very specific ways of the kinds of conversations that one should have with their players, depending on the circumstances, right? So. Uh, I want to give you guys any last chance to, to give any last minute advice to, uh, in terms of uh, having women at the game table before we uh, say thank you and shuffle off. So, any last minute advice, J Dot? Oh, I was going to let Heather go first because I keep well, talking. I'll let you go. So go. Okay. <laughs> no, we'll fight. We'll fight for who gets to go first. Um. Okay, so I can tell you my personal experience. Now, I have a very strong personality. Uh, but I'm not immune to the kinds of stuff that can happen at the table. You know, I've had sexist things directed at me. Uh, and, I, you know, I could go into anecdotes, but I'm, I'm going to keep it general here. And and they hurt. As strong as a person as I am, you know, there are things that have driven me away from the table. Uh, okay, one anecdote. There was the GM who had an NPC that was trying to buy me as a sex slave. Uh, you know, which would have never happened to any of the guys at the table. So, you know, like a moment like that, I stopped playing that. It took me about two more sessions to realize that I was not happy in that game anymore. So a lot of, you know, things that have made me really happy to play a game with my friends and or play a game with strangers is just the absence of that kind of thing. To be able to sit down at a table and play my character and not play my character while fending off the fact that I'm a girl. And I wonder how, how what would happen in that kind of a group if you had just said, okay, stop, I'm not comfortable with that, with this storyline, can we take this another direction? It would really depend. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like, uh, you know, it, and it just depends on the people you're with. So, you know, uh, Heather talks about the guys that come into her game shop and, and her asking them to stop. And, you know, generally they try to behave themselves, you know, if someone asks. Uh, I think with this particular GM... My feel and the reason that I stopped playing was because my feeling was that if I had if I'd said that that was not cool, that he would have told me that I was the one with the problem, not him. Like I that just just blow it off. So you know, and at that point, if someone else at the table, we talk about standing up. If someone else at the table had said, "No, actually, that was really kind of messed up," you know, it changes the power dynamic pretty sure. greatly. So you know, you just have to be aware of what your power dynamics at the table. And then again, if there's one girl at your table, she can feel kind of overwhelmed. And, you know, uh, and, and well, not trying to give her special treatment because she's a girl, but at least trying to understand that the other guys at the table may have a, uh, need some attitude adjustments as well. Right on. And Heather, any last minute advice you want to give? My um, advice is, you know, kind of just repeating what Dot said earlier and something I said several times on my personal blog and 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 in a couple of places uh, over at the house girls are not aliens ladies are not aliens they're just people that have different body parts than dudes um and in some cases not even different body parts than dudes they just are they're they're not dudes (laughs) and so you have to get to know them as people and then understand them as people um, adding them to your game table is just going to be like add, asking the guy from across the hall, it, but put a lady part on her instead. <laughs> it's no different than any other interaction you're going to have with somebody at the gaming table, except that this person, you know, instead of being, you know, blue, is purple. 
Uh, you... <laughs> and, and that's totally fair. And I think, you know, you asked a question, Jeff, earlier about why you might want to include more women at your table. And that's the, that's the answer right here. If you're having a moment where you feel like you might be uncomfortable with a girl at the table, that might be exactly the reason to include her. You know, push yourself out of your comfort zone. Try to understand, you know, what, why you feel like this is an alien creature and not another human being. And maybe work on, you know, trying to accept that girls are, are bags of meat, just like any other bag of meat on the street. <laughs> so you're saying I should see women as meat. Got it. Uh, you know what, Jeff? <laughs> Are you on fire yet? Because I'm imagining you on fire. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, with if that... There's no need to Barbie us up. <laughs> people that that just happen to be a different, you know, form- formation than you. And, yeah, we have different kinds of reactions to different kinds of things, but it's all about that power dynamic J-Dot talked about earlier. And it's also, you know, conditional experience. I was raised in a very, my, my gaming experience was extremely, extremely nurturing and positive. So much so that, you know, I married a gamer, I have gamer kids, and I, I built a game store. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping to, you know, grow the, the community through, you know, this, this, you know, social conditioning and building gamers for the future, teaching them about the real world. That is, that is how much, you know, how positive my environment was and how accepting and how, loved and safe and secure I felt in my entire gaming, you know, in, uh, adventure so far. Um, I, I've had, you know, a few instances, but realistically, the fact that, you know, in my particular adv- in, in situation, you know, my dad was there to kill anybody that treated me badly was probably which, indicative which of helps. why that had. <laughs> but, you know, again, we talk about that power dynamic. So had she been thrust but, but, there on her own with a bunch of strangers, she might have had a different experience than having her dad standing behind her with his arms crossed, just shaking his head real slow. <laughs> but he did so, that for my brothers as well, and they turned out for, pretty similar. I mean, they're, they're, they're both... You know, really into games, and and you know, they they have the same kind of dynamic. They're both very passionate about gaming. So. You know what, Jeff? I would really actually like to leave this with a piece of advice that I could take myself that I don't take often enough myself. And uh, and it's really you know we talk about uh, you know like I have some horror stories, but it's really actually a really small percentage. And the, the problem is that when we have something bad happened to us, it tends to loom over all the good that's happened. And I just really want to remind everyone and myself included. That, that guy, that guy who tries to sell your character to sexual slavery or that guy who spends all game drawing boobs in his notebook, he's rare, you know? He, he maybe comes out to the game stores or whatever because no other group will really have him and that's the place where he can actually get some game time in. But he is not the norm, he is not common, and he is definitely uh, not someone you should let drive you away. Well, very good. And with those final words, uh, I want to thank both of you ladies. And uh, and we will end the show from here. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. I really like being on the show. Yeah, thank you very much, Jeff. And there it is. We want to thank again our guest, Heather Hoover, uh, over from uh, Armored Gopher, and J-Dot from Vanity Games. Great. Uh, and if you'd like to support the show, you can swing by the website at www.thetomeshow.com and in the show notes you'll find links to Amazon and D&D Classics. If you shop through the, that link the show gets a percentage and it helps us pay the bills. And if you want to get a hold of us you can email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME that's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E and I'm sure you will only contact us with really helpful and awesome 
comments. And that is episode 212, where we got down with the ladies at the table on this episode of... I'm not a wall.